Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And I'm Paris. And welcome to our very special bonus presentation of Farney the Vampire or The Feast of Blood, an 1845 Penny Dreadful that is far more dreadful than Penny. <laughs> also, yeah, hi, as previously mentioned, I am here from the Terrible Book Club. This is Paris. Uh, there is no Chris, my terrible counterpart. He was, I don't know, he had to go back to his home planet. So <laughs> hopefully he'll be back the next time we record a Terrible Book Club episode. But yeah, sadly, he was just sucked up into space right before this recording. So so he sends his regards. Yeah, thought, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. And we look forward to his ability to join us in the future. Indeed. And I think he'll like Varney when he gets to join us for it. Oh, God, yes. It's truly something to behold. So for this extra special guest recording, we will be using the Eye of Argon rules, which is read as long as you can without either fucking up or laughing. And commentary from non-narrators is encouraged. If you have listened to uh, our previous TBCXAF collaborations, you are familiar with this rule or these rules most recently employed to read about burning clowns, burningclown.com. <laughs> Still under production. Thank you. I cannot wait until burningclown.com goes online. Oh, same. I'm so ready. All right, who would like to be the first reader? I'd like to. I'd like to uh, volunteer. All right. Okay. Take us away, deep. Chapter four. The morning. The consultation. The fearful suggestion. What wonderfully different impressions and feelings with regard to the same circumstances come across the mind in the broad, clear, and a beautiful light of day to what haunt the imagination and often render the judgment almost incapable of action when the heavy shadow of night is upon all things. One sentence. Oh my god, yeah, does, does this person know that punctuation exists? No. They skimmed, they skimmed. <laughs> cool, cool. There must be a downright physical reason for this effect. It is so remarkable and so universal. It seems that the sun's rays so completely alter and modify the constitution of the atmosphere that it produces, as we inhale it, puff puff pass, a wonderfully different <laughs> effect upon the nerves of the human subject. Is he just talking about how the sun is good for people? I think so. The sun is dope, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. We can account for this phenomenon in no other way. Never, perhaps never in his life had he, Henry Bannerworth, felt so strongly in this transition of feeling as he now felt it when the beautiful daylight gradually dawned upon him and he... Uh, oh, yeah. I wow. think there were there were three fuck-ups there. I think we're going to call that. Yeah, I that. got like a bunch. That's okay. This is a real challenge one because anytime a sentence runs on this fucking long, like you're gonna mess up. Yeah. Playing this on a high difficulty level. All right. Uh, Ken, do you want to go next or? Sure. Perhaps never in his life had he, Henry Bannerworth, felt so strongly this transition of feeling as he now felt it, when the beautiful daylight gradually dawned upon him as he kept his lonely watch by the bedside of his slumbering sister. That watch had been a perfectly undisturbed one. Not creepy at all. Not the least sight or sound of any intrusion had reached his senses. All had been as still as the very grave. Senses, smelling for the, for the intruder. Yeah, sniffing for vampires. Vampire sniffing dogs, why are these not being employed? Yeah, get back to me, Victorian England. And yet, while the night lasted and he was more indebted to the rays of the candle, which he had placed upon a shelf for the power to distinguish objects than the light of morning. What? <laughs> a thousand uneasy and strange sensations had found a home in his agitated bosom. Wow. Yo, did you know that candlelight is more effective than morning light sometimes to see shit? Because that's, I think, what he was just trying to say. <laughs> I, I, I like, I honestly only got as far as like, you need light to see. I really do like the phrase indebted to the rays of the candle, though. That's a sick phrase. It is. Like it, it is poetical. I will grant him that. <laughs> I'm into it. He looked so many times at the portrait which was in the panel that at length he felt an undefined sensation of terror creep over him whenever he took his eyes off it. He tried to keep himself from looking at it, but found it vain. So he adopted what perhaps was certainly the wisest, best plan, namely, to look at it continually. <laughs> Paintings that make you stare at them. Yo, this painting's evil. You know what the best plan is? Keep looking at just it forever. Like, don't stop looking at the... Don't look at your sister who you're there to look at. Just look at the fucking painting. Like, this is how people get sucked into paintings and disappear forever. Come on. This is how people get bit by vampires. Also that, yeah. He shifted his chair so that he could gaze upon it without any effort. Oh, there we go. Make it easier. <laughs> 
and he placed the candle so that a faint light was thrown upon it, and there he sat, a prey to many conflicting and uncomfortable feelings, until the daylight <laughs> began to make the candle flame look dull and sickly. Henry Bannerworth is having a bit of an awakening, I think. <laughs> He's like, you know what, that painting's pretty. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I don't like the feelings that are inside me, but I can't look away. <laughs> Solution for the events of the night he could find none. That's how a sentence is supposed to look. Oh, that's an ugly-ass sentence. Fucking hideous sentence syntax right there. Ugh. He racked his imagination in vain to find some means, however vague, of endeavoring to account for what occurred, and still he was at fault. All was to him wrapped in the gloom of the most profound mystery. And how strangely, too, the eyes of that portrait appeared to look upon him, as if instinct with life, and as if the head to which they belonged was busy in endeavoring to find out the <laughs> secret communings of his soul. Fuck off. And you know what? I think this I think this painting is feeling me, too. <laughs> it was wonderfully well executed, that portrait, so lifelike that the very features seemed to move as you gazed upon them. Uh, Henry, did you forget what windows are again? Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that a break, because like <laughs> Not even the content, but the sheer construction of the sentence broke me. That was wretched. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Ken. That sucks. It shall be removed, said Henry. I would remove it now, but that it seems absolutely painted on the panel, and I should awake Flora in any attempt to do so. He arose and ascertained that such was the case, and that it would require a workman with proper tools adapted to the job to remove the portrait. How well fucking stuck on the wall is this portrait? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's really on there. Well, he's, it's on he's there. Just it's... That it's painted onto the wall, which, like, okay. It's a mural? Wait, so they just painted the portrait onto the wall and then just, like, tacked a frame around it? <laughs> yeah, it says it was painted on the panel. That means it's painted onto the wall. Dia's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a, a very, an interesting choice. True, he said. I might now destroy it, but it is a pity to obscure a work of such rare art as this is. I should blame myself if I were. It shall be removed to some other room of the house, however. Namely my room. <laughs> then, all of a sudden, it struck Henry how foolish it would be to remove the portrait from the wall of a room which, in all likelihood, after that night, would be uninhabited. For it was not probable that Flora would choose again to inhabit a chamber in which she had gone through so much terror. It can be left where it is, he said. He's just talking to himself. He's talking to himself about how he doesn't want to wake up his sister out loud in the room. Mm -hmm. And we can fasten up if we please, even the very door of this room, so that no one need trouble themselves any further about it. The morning was now f coming fast, and just as Henry thought he would partially draw a blind across the window in order to shield from the direct rays of the sun the eyes of Flora, she awoke. You can say Flora's eyes. We don't need to say the eyes of Flora. If you say Flora's eyes, I don't know which one you're talking about. No, but how are you going to know I'm smart unless I write things in weird uh, fucking esoteric constructions? Paid by the word. Help! Help! She cried, and Henry was by her side in a moment. You are safe, Flora. You are safe, he said. Where is it now? She said. What, what dear Flora? The dreadful apparition. Oh, what have I done to be made thus perpetually miserable? Think no more of it, Flora. I must think. My brain is on fire. A million of strange eyes seem gazing on me. Why is that a sentence? Scaffucking meningitis. <laughs> <laughs> Great heaven, she raves, said Henry. Hark, hark, hark. He comes on the wings of the storm. Oh, it is most horrible. Horrible. Henry rang the bell, but not sufficiently loudly to create any alarm. <laughs> Great. Good job, Henry. I'm really glad we wrote down that whole sentence. The sound reached the waking ear of the mother, who in a few moments was in the room. The mother. She has awakened, said Henry. Wait, so it wasn't loud enough for anyone to hear except for the person who heard it. Correct. Okay. But she seems to me to wander in her discourse. For God's sake, soothe her and try to bring her mind round to its usual state. The usual state. I will. And I think, mother... If you were to get her out of this room and into some other chamber as far removed from this one as possible, it would tend to withdraw her mind from what has occurred. Yes, it shall be done. Oh, Henry, what was it? What do you think it was? I am lost in a sea of wild conjecture. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can form no conclusion. Where is Mr. Marchdale? I believe in his chamber. Then I will go and consult with him. Henry proceeded at once to the chamber, which was, as he knew, occupied by Mr. Marchdale. No way, And as he it? crossed the corridor, he could not but pause a moment to glance from a window at the face of nature. What? 
you know, there's this is all this shit going on, but you know what? I can look out the window at a hot tree hold, for a second. Up. Like, I gotta, I gotta get me one fresh tree. <laughs> I gotta peep me some leaves. I'm a leaf peeper. <sighs> As is often the case, the terrific storm of the preceding evening had cleared the air and rendered it deliciously invigorating and lifelike. The weather had been dull, and there had been, for some days, a certain heaviness in the atmosphere, which was now entirely removed. The morning sun was shining with uncommon brilliancy. Birds were singing in every tree and on every bush. So pleasant, so spirit-stirring, health-giving a morning seldom had he seen. (laughs) And the effect upon his spirits was great, although not altogether what it might have been had all gone on as it usually was in the habit of doing at that house. Oh, God. Please keep talking. What? (laughs) The ordinary little casualties of evil fortune had certainly from time to time, in the shape of illness and one thing or another, attacked the family of the Bannerworths in common with every other family. But here suddenly had arisen a something at once terrible and inexplicable. A something. He found Mr. Marchdale up and dressed, and apparently in deep and anxious thought. Who is Mr. Marchdale? He has not been introduced. He has. He was introduced in the previous two chapters. He's the uh, random stranger who is in their house for reasons not yet explained. Oh, he's a ran- ran- <laughs> yeah, that they Yeah, ha- they haven't asked what he was doing in their home, yeah. The moment he saw Henry, he said, Flora is awake, I presume. Yes, but her mind appears to be much disturbed. From bodily weakness, I dare say. But why should she be bodily weak? She was strong and well, eh, as well as she could ever be in all her life. The glow of youth and health was on her cheeks. Is it possible that, in the course of one night, she should become bodily weak to such an extent? Stop saying bodily weak. (laughs) Henry, said Mr. Marchdale sadly, sit down. I am not, as you know. A superstitious man. You certainly are not. And yet I feel like you're going to say some bullshit. And yet I never in all my life was so absolutely staggered as I have been by the occurrences of tonight. Say on. There is a frightful, a hideous solution of them. One which every consideration will tend to add strength to. One which I tremble to name now, although yesterday at this hour I should have laughed it to scorn. Indeed. Yes, it is so. Tell no one that which I am about to say to you. Let the dreadful suggestion remain with ourselves alone, Henry Bannerworth. I, I am lost in wonder. <laughs> the fuck? He hasn't said anything yet. You promise me? What? What? That you will not repeat my opinion to anyone. I do. On your honor? On my honor, I promise. Mr. Marchdale rose, and proceeding to the door, he looked out to see that there were no listeners near. Having ascertained then that they were quite alone, he returned, and drawing a chair close to that on which sat Henry. Damn it, which Henry sat. Okay. I'm free. I'm free! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Henry, have you never heard of a strange and dreadful superstition which, in some countries, is extremely riff, by which it is supposed that there are beings who never die? What a sentence. Right? Never die! Never. Getting a little prog rock there. In a word, <laughs> Henry, have you never heard of, of, I dread to pronounce that word now. Speak it, God of heaven, let me hear it. A vampire. This is the same as Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Say it. Out loud. Vampire. Henry sprung to his feet. His whole frame quivered with emotion. The drops of perspiration stood upon his brow as, in a strange hoarse voice, he repeated the words, A vampire! Even so, one who has to renew a dreadful existence by human blood, one who lives on forever and must keep up such a fearful existence upon human gore, one who eats not and drinks not as other men. A vampire! Henry dropped into his seat and uttered a deep groan of the most exquisite anguish. I could echo that groan, said Marchdale, but that I am so thoroughly bewildered I know not what to think. Good God, good God, do not too readily yield belief in so dreadful a supposition. I pray you, don't believe me. I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yield belief, exclaimed Henry as he rose and lifted up one of his hands above his head. No, by heaven and the great God of all who there rules, I will not easily believe aught so awful and so monstrous. I applaud your sentiment, Henry. I am a dipshit. (laughs) (laughs) Not willingly would I deliver up myself to so frightful a belief. It is too horrible. I merely have told you of that which you saw was on my mind. You have surely before heard of such things. 
I have, I have. I much marvel then that the supposition did not occur to you, Henry. You fucking idiot. You dumb shit. <laughs> you stuttering motherfucker. You by the word <laughs> ass looking hoe. Jesus. It did not. It did not, Marchdale. It, it was too dreadful, I suppose, to find a home in my heart. Oh, Flora, Flora. If this horrible idea should once occur to you, reason cannot, I am quite sure, uphold you against it. Let no one presume to insinuate it to her, Henry. I would not have it mentioned to her for worlds. Nor I, nor I. Good God, I shudder at the very thought, the mere possibility. But there's no possibility. There can be none. I will not believe it. Nor I. No, by heavens, justice, goodness, grace, and mercy, I will not believe it. <laughs> Tis well sworn, Henry. Cal calm the fuck down. And now, discarding the supposition that Flora has been visited by a vampire, let us seriously set about endeavoring, if we can, to account for what has happened in this house. I, I cannot now. Nay, let us examine the matter. Now that I've poisoned the well with my dumb ideas, <laughs> if we can find any natural explanation, let us cling to it, Henry, as the sheet anchor of our very souls. The sheet anchor? The what? sheet anchor. Is that a that's, thing? That's a new one. That's a new one for me. Ken, I feel like you're the, the maritime. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna right, do right. a real quick Google. I, I feel like I trust you for maritime lore and knowledge, so. Also, as someone who, who grew up in the same community. Yeah, I, I'm a sheet anchor. Merriam-Webster defines sheet anchor as a large, strong anchor formerly carried in the waist of a ship and used as a spare in an emergency. Spare tire. Okay, cool. Thank you. Colloquially, it is something that constitutes a main support or dependence, especially in danger. Okay, it's a spare sea tire. All right, cool. Thank you for <laughs> clarifying. There we go. Spare sea tire of our very souls. All right. Do you think? You are fertile in expedience. Is he now? Oh, wow. You thought a strange way to say that. Yeah, it's very odd. Do you think, Marchdale, and for heaven's sake and for the sake of our own peace, find out some other way of accounting for what has happened than the hideous one you have suggested? Real quick, this author will do anything to extend his word count. There is no sentence mm -hmm. construction too arduous for him to attempt. Oh, no. In an effort to stretch things out. And yet... He is so resistant to adding any dialogue tags, which would easily and naturally extend his word count. <laughs> and make Very true. Cool. Yeah, if only he had, if only he was like, you know, said Henry or said Marchdale. But I think, I think we're just meant to know that uh, each line, the separation of lines indicates the uh, separation of speakers. Yeah, the separation of line is clearly a new character speaking, but like, if it goes back and forth more than four times, I'm not keeping track of this ping pong match, man. <laughs> That's a really good point. And you made a great point about it being a petty dreadful. It's like, if you're getting paid by the word, like, add some Marchdale said and Henry bellowed and Marchdale quivered or whatever. Like, add some fucking synonyms for said in there. Yeah, seriously. Uh, the murmuring is about to begin then. Oh, no. Oh, great. And yet my pistol bullets hurt him not. He has left the tokens of his presence on the neck of Flora. Oh, he came on her neck? Oh. Yeah, no, 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 no. He just bit her. That's, yeah, the tokens of his presence is only come. I'm sorry. There's no <laughs> other way I can, I can read that. On the neck of Flora, in case you didn't know whose neck it belonged to. Just say Flora's neck. An apostrophe and an S. No, neck of Flora. Oh, I have God. to be fancy. It's fancy writing time. Peace. Oh, peace. Do not, I pray you, accumulate reasons why I should receive such a dismal, awful superstition. Oh, do not, Marchdale, as you love me. Huh. You know that my attachment to you, said Marchdale, is sincere, and yet... Heaven what? help us. What is their attachment? Why does Marchdale love Henry? Yeah, wait, Henry and Marchdale are like, are, are a, a thing? They're together? I guess they're like a thing. I am so confused. All right. I wonder if, I wonder if Marchdale is like his, uh, like brother-in-law. Cause like, that's an attached, that's an attachment. His daddy. Yep. His daddy, daddy Marchdale. Um, daddy Marchdale. Daddy Dale. Uh, daddy Dale. That's Marchdale's new name. Daddy Dale. Continue. <laughs> His voice was broken by grief as he spoke, 
and he turned aside his head to hide the bursting tears that would, despite all his efforts, show themselves in his eyes. Marchdale, added Henry after a pause of some moment's duration. I will sit up tonight with my sister. <laughs> do do do. <laughs> do do. All right, D, I'm going to call the do do. <laughs> do do. All right, everyone. The line was do, do. And that was too much for us. Too much. Too much for the terrible antique book freaks. I am in my 30s. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Ken, I think this is. Yeah, Ken, oh. batter up. Right, shit. Sorry, I forgot the order. <laughs> oh. oh, it's okay. <laughs> we uh, we left you at doo-doo. <laughs> Think you there is a chance it may come again? I cannot. I dare not speculate upon the coming of so dreadful a visitor, Henry. But I will hold watch with you most willingly. You will, Marchdale? My hand upon it. Come what dangers may, I will share them with you, Henry. This is really gay. Come what may. Also curiously <laughs> intimate for the time because... <laughs> yeah. If you're not a family member, even if the man is younger and less senior to you, you will be referring to him as master surname or by surname alone. You will not be doing a first name. And that's Mr. Marshdale's just going for it, huh? Oh, yeah. Daddy Dale doesn't give a fuck. Daddy, Daddy Dale, like, I don't know. This is pretty sus. A thousand thanks. Say nothing, then, to George of what we have been talking about. He is of a highly susceptible nature, and the very idea of such a thing would kill him. Oh, sick. Let's kill George by just saying vampire. Vampire. What in the- How delicate is George? Very delicate. worse than Flora, because she got bit by the goddamn thing. And he came on her neck, and she's still fine. Yeah. I will. Be mute. Remove your sister to some other chamber. Let me beg of you, Henry. The one she now inhabits will always be suggestive of horrible thoughts. I will. And that dreadful-looking portrait with its perfect likeness to him who came thus late. Perfect indeed. <laughs> Do you intend to remove it? Mm. I do not. I thought of doing so, but it is actually on the panel in the wall, and I would not willingly destroy it, and it may as well remain where it is in that chamber, which I can readily now believe will become, henceforward, a deserted one in this house. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. So the portrait, so the vampire is the guy in the painting. The painting bears a curious resemblance to the vampire. Do we know who the painting is of? It is of an ancestor who lost the Bannerworth family fortune some generations Uh, hence. Okay, okay. Thank you. Continue. Speaking of, henceforward is a new one to me. Hence? Yeah. Is henceforward not a word? It is a word, but people usually go for henceforth. Oh, that's a good point. Wait, does henceforward have more letters? Yes. It does. Yeah, so that's so there you go. It does. Yeah. Paris has solved the mystery. But it's still just <laughs> one word. Like henceforth and henceforward are just one word. Well, if they were paid by the page and not the word, I don't know how they were paid. They but. are paid by the printed line, which would also explain the mm. constant back and forth yeah. dialogue because that way you don't have to write out a whole paragraph to get to a new line You because you're hitting the return key at the end of every single line. God damn, ah. they thought of everything. Damn, this is a grift on a new level. <laughs> Yeah. It may well become such. Who comes here? I hear a step. I don't know. I think Marchdale's coming. There was a tip at the door at this moment. A tip? Oh, uh, who ordered this? Who left this tip for the pizza guy? He didn't oh, take it. Oh, I think the vampire left a tip for all that blood. <laughs> and George made his appearance in answer to the summons to come in. Oh, God. He looked pale and ill. His face betrayed how much he had mentally suffered during that night. And almost directly he got into the bedchamber, I said. I shall, I am sure, be censured by you both for what I am going to say, but I cannot help saying it nevertheless, for to keep it to myself would destroy me. But wagababa bobo. Hamanamana. Good God, George, what is it? said Mr. Marchdale. Speak it out, said Henry. I have been thinking of what has occurred here. And the result of that thought has been one of the wildest suppositions that I ever thought I should have to entertain. Have you never heard of a vampire? They always, why do they keep saying it in such a, like, accusatory way? Like, oh, what, you've never heard of a vampire? Henry sighed deeply and Marchdale was silent. Wow. That just sounds like they're disappointed <laughs> in him. Yeah. Ah, fuck. Ah, fuck, this idiot. Talking about goddamn vampire. What kind of dipshit? This fucking idiot. God damn it, George. Every day it's like this Always with you. Always just a fucking vampire this, vampire that. It's like a day with me. <laughs> <laughs> I say a vampire, added George, with much excitement in his manner. 
It is a fearful, a horrible supposition, but our poor dear Flora has been visited by a vampire, and I shall go completely mad. Just a heads up, I'm going mad. Yeah, I am, am self-aware to know that I am going mad presently. He sat down, and covering his face with his hands, he wept bitterly and abundantly. God, house full of fucking crybabies, I swear to God. George, said Henry, when he saw that the frantic grief had in some measure abated. Be calm, George, and endeavor to listen to me. I hear, Henry. Well then, do not suppose that you are the only one in this house to whom so dreadful a superstition has occurred. Not the only one? No, it has occurred to Mr. Marchdale also. Not me, though. I'm not an idiot who thinks dumb thoughts. Yeah, nah, I'm pretty cool. Gracious heaven! He mentioned it to me, but we have both agreed to repudiate it with horror. To repudiate it? There's a dash in between each of those words, and it yes, sounds like yeah. George is just non-familiar with the word. <laughs> I, I'm gonna call you out, Ken. You said agreed it to repudiate it. Oh no! Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. You just okay. started peppering in its... <laughs> I'm helping him along with the penny a line. <laughs> you were like, yeah, you could get more mileage out of this. Hold up. Yes, George. And yet, and, and yet, hush, hush, I know what you would say. You would tell us that our repudiation of it cannot affect the fact. Of that we are aware. But yet, will we disbelieve that which a belief in would be enough to drive us mad? <laughs> What the fuck did I just say? What the fuck did I just say? What in the hell is this Zen cone? Get the fucking gold medal. Good at triple sal cow with grammar. (laughs) Like, what the fuck was that? Just flipped in the air 20 times. What do you intend to do? To keep the supposition to ourselves in the first place. To guard it most zealously from the ears of Flora. Do you think she has ever heard of vampires? I never heard her mention that in all her reading she had gathered even a hint of such a fearful superstition. If she has, we must be guided by circumstances and do the best we can. Pray heaven she may not. Amen to that prayer, George, said Henry. Mr. Marchdale and I intend to keep watch over Flora tonight. Okay, so Marchdale is his surname. I mean, it's still pretty gay, though. Well, no, but like, Marchdale is still referring to Henry and George by their first names. Despite not being a member of the family. But he just said a Mr. Marchdale, so I think Marchdale is his surname. Henry and George, their surname is Bannerworth. Mr. Marchdale's surname oh, is Mr. Marchdale. I oh, I, I, sorry. Listen, the, the sentence structure had me looping back on myself. <laughs> yes, so, it's okay. It's okay, so still pretty gay. Yeah, it's weird. It's not something I encounter much in Victorian fiction. I mean, we're about to get some Victorian fan fiction, if you know what I mean. Oh, no. Oh, God. Your health, dear George, will not permit you to engage in such matters. Do you seek your natural repose and leave it to us to do the best we can in this most fearful and terrible emergency? As you please, brother, and as you please, Daddy Dale. I know I am a frail reed, and my belief is that this affair will kill me quite. (laughs) This motherfucker. I am a fragile daisy. I am horrified, (laughs) utterly and frightfully horrified. Like my poor dear sister, I do not believe I shall ever sleep again. This guy, it's like, what a wussy. I hate George. Are you done? Are you just going to call him a wussy again? <laughs> okay. No, I hate George. I fucking, I hate this motherfucker. He ain't even trying. <laughs> do not fancy that, George, said Daddy Dale. You very much add to the uneasiness, which must be your poor mother's portion, by allowing this circumstance to so much affect you. You well know her affection for you all. And let me, therefore as a very old friend of hers, and treat you to wear as cheerful an aspect as you can in her presence. For once in my life, said George sadly, I will. To my dear mother, endeavor to play the hypocrite. Jesus Do Christ. So, said Henry. The motive will sanction any such deceit as that, George, be assured. The day wore on, and poor Flora remained in a very precarious situation. It was not until midday that Henry made up his mind he would call in a medical gentleman to her, And then he rode to the neighboring market town, where he knew an extremely intelligent practitioner resided. This gentleman Henry resolved upon, under a promise of secrecy, makings confident of... What? But, long before he reached him, he found he might well dispense with the promise of secrecy. What the fuck was that? What if sentence had six subjects and no end? (laughs) (laughs) He had never thought, so engaged had he been with other matters, that the servants were cognizant of the whole affair 
and that from them he had no expectation of being able to keep the whole story in all its details. Of course, such an opportunity for tale-bearing and gossiping was not likely to be lost. And while Henry was thinking over how he had better act in the manner, matter, damn it, I fucked that up, sorry. Uh, and while Henry was thinking over how he had better act in the matter, the news that Flora Bannerworth had been visited in the night by a vampire, for the servants named a visitation such at once, was spreading all over the county. As he rode along, Henry met a gentleman on horseback who belonged to the county, and who, reining in his seat, said to him, "'Good morning, Mr. Bannerworth.' "'Good morning,' responded Henry, and he would have ridden on, but the gentleman added, "'Excuse me for interrupting you, sir, but what is this strange story that is in everybody's mouth about a vampire?' "'Oh, wow, they did a really bad job. They did a really bad job.' <laughs> "'It's a really good secret.' Henry nearly fell off his horse. He was so much astonished, and wheeling the animal around, he said, In everybody's mouth! Yes, I have heard it from at least a dozen persons. You surprise me. It is untrue. Of course, I am not so absurd as really to believe about the vampire, but is there no foundation at all for it? We generally find that at the bottom of these common reports there is a something around which, as a nucleus, the whole has formed. Wow. Sure. Wow. Sure. Sure. My sister is unwell. Ah, and that's all. It really is too bad now. We had a visitor last night. A thief, I suppose. Yes, yes, I believe a thief. I do believe it was a thief, and she was terrified. Of course. And upon such a thing is grafted a story of a vampire and the mark of his teeth being in her neck, and all the circumstantial particulars. Yes, yes. Good morning, Mr. Bannerworth. Henry bade the gentleman good morning, and much vexed at the publicity which with which- Ah, fuck. Never mind. <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's just begging to add articles to make the sentences make sense. Henry bade the gentleman good morning, and much vexed at the publicity which the affair had already obtained, he set spurs to his horse, determined that he would speak to no one else upon so uncomfortable a theme. Several attempts were made to stop him, but he only waved his hand and trotted on, nor did he pause in his speed till he reached the door of Mr. Chillingworth, the medical man who he intended to consult. Oh, good name. Oh, the chills! Mr. Chillingworth. Positively Dickensian. Henry knew that at such a time he would be at home, which was the case, and he was soon closeted with the man of drugs. <laughs> the man of drugs! Oh, wow, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Guy. I'm sorry, he was closeted with the man of drugs? Closeted with the man of drugs. That's a, that's a phrase. Wow. Okay. Hey, you know, sometimes you just need that weed. You're going to pay, you know? Henry begged his patient hearing, which being accorded, he related to him at full length what had happened, not omitting to the best of his remembrance any one particular. When he had concluded his narration, the doctor shifted his position several times and then said, That's all? Yes, and enough, too. More than enough, I should say, my young friend. You astonish me. Can you form any suppositions, sir, on the subject? Not just now. What is your own idea? I cannot be said to have one about it. It is too absurd to tell you that my brother George is impressed with the belief a vampire has visited the house. I never in all my life heard a more circumstantial narrative in favor of so hideous a superstition. I need to introduce that phrase. That full sentence needs to enter my daily vocabulary, I feel. I never in all my life heard a more circumstantial narrative in favor of so hideous a superstition. Yeah, I'm gonna start saying that to strangers, see what happens. It's, it's gonna take a little bit of doing to get that, like, on lock. I believe it. I can do it. I believe in you, Ken. Thank you. Well, but you cannot believe. Believe what? That the dead can come to life again and by such a process keep up vitality. Do you take me for a fool? Certainly not. Then why do you ask me such questions? But the glaring facts of the case... I don't care if they were ten times more glaring, I won't believe it. I would rather believe you were all mad, the whole family of you, than at the full of the moon you were all a little correct. And so would I. Who's saying what? <laughs> that is a great question. No fucking clue. You go home now, and I will call and see your sister in the course of two hours. Something may turn up yet to throw some new light upon this strange subject. With this understanding, Henry went home, and he took care to ride as fast as before, in order to avoid questions, so that he got back to his old ancestral home without going through the disagreeable ordeal of having to explain to any one what had disturbed the peace of it. That was a 51-word sentence, everybody. 
Holy Good shit. lord. When Henry reached his home, he found that the evening was rapidly coming on, and before he could permit himself to think upon any other subject, he inquired how his terrified sister had passed the hours during his absence. I thought about vampires, mostly. <laughs> thought about my awkward, untimely demise and some guy coming on my neck and taking my blood. Kind of sucks. Kind of hot, though. He found that but little improvement had taken place in her, and that she had occasionally slept, but to awaken and speak incoherently as if the shock she had received had had some serious effect upon her nerves. He repaired at once to her room, and finding that she was awake, he leaned over her and spoke tenderly to her. Flora, he said. Dear Flora, you are better now? Harry, is that you? Yes, dear. Oh, tell me what has happened. Have you not a recollection, Flora? Yes, yes, but what was it? They none of them will tell me what it was, Henry. Be calm, dear. They none of them will tell me what it was. What a great... That sounds so natural coming out of a mouth. They none of them. Not just they. They none of them will tell me. Be calm, dear. No doubt some attempt to rob the house. Think you so? Yes. The bay window was, was peculiarly... Be pe oh, peculiar... Peculiar. None of oh, us can say peculiarly. Peculiarly. <laughs> peculiarly. 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 Just get a smash cut of all of us trying to say peculiarly. <laughs> oh man. Wait, is this motherfucker saying that the bay window was made to be robbed? Yes. Yes. But I think that counts as a flub on my part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, Lord knows I can't say that word either, so I'm just gonna say the second part of the sentence. <laughs> I can, I can do it. Hang on. Yes, the bay window was peculiarly adapted for such a purpose. But now that you are removed here to this room, you will be able to rest in peace. <laughs> uh oh, oh, rip! You, you're gonna fucking die, bitch. I shall die of terror, Henry. Even now, those eyes are glaring on me so hideously. Oh, it is fearful. It is very fearful, Henry. Do you not pity me? And no one will promise to remain with me at night. Indeed, Flora, you are mistaken, for I intend to sit by your bedside armed and so preserve you from all harm. Thinking about taking pot shots at you, too. <laughs> she said, you will, Henry. You will, and not think it too much trouble, dear Henry. It can be no trouble, Flora. Then I shall rest in peace, for I know that the dreadful vampire cannot come to me when you are by... The what, Flora? The vampire, Henry. It was a vampire. <laughs> Good God, who told you so? No one. I have read of them in the book of travels in Norway, which Daddy Dale lent us all. Norway? Yeah, that's a Norway. strange one. Norway. Norway of all places. You got Draugr in Norway. I don't think you have vampires. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Not to my knowledge, anyway. Now I'm trying to think if they have something yeah. similar, but... Yeah, I don't know. Curious. I don't know. I'll ask, uh, I'll ask my... I'll ask some Norwegians uh, in, in a few. <laughs> alas, alas, groaned Henry. Discard, I pray you, such a thought from your mind. Can we discard thoughts? What sure. power have we but from that mind, which is ourselves? True, true. Hark, what noise is that? I thought I heard a noise. Henry, when you go, ring for someone first. Was there not a noise? The accidental shutting of some door, dear. Was it that? It was. Then I am relieved. Henry, I sometimes fancy I am in the tomb and that someone is feasting on my flesh. They do say, too, that those who in life have been bled by a vampire become themselves vampires and have the same horrible taste for blood as those before them. Is it not horrible? You only vex yourself by such thoughts, Flora. Mr. Chillingworth is coming to see you. Oh, thank God, Mr. <laughs> Chillingworth. He'll make me feel so much better. Yeah, very the chill comforting. man. Can he minister to a mind diseased? But yours is not, Flora. Your mind is healthful. And so, although his power extends not so far, we will thank heaven, dear Flora, that you need it not. She sighed deeply as she said, Heaven help me. I know not, Henry. The dreadful being held on by my hair. I must have it all taken off. I tried to get away, but it dragged me back. A brutal thing it was. Oh, then at that moment, Henry, I felt as if something strange took place in my brain and that I was going mad. I saw those glazed eyes close to mine. I felt a hot, pestiferous breath upon my face. Help! Help! Hush, my Flora, hush. Look at me. I am calm again. It fixed its teeth in my throat. Did I faint away? You did, dear. But let me pray you to refer all this to imagination, or at least the greater part of it. But you saw it. Yes, all saw it. 
We all saw some man, a housebreaker. <laughs> it must have been some housebreaker. This unhousebroken man. What more easy, you know, dear Flora, than to assume some such disguise? Was anything stolen? Not that I know of, but there was an alarm, you know. Flora shook her head as she said in a low voice, That which came here was more than mortal. Oh, Henry, if it had but killed me, now I had been happy, but I cannot live. I hear it breathing now. Talk of something else, dear Flora, said the much distressed Henry. You will make yourself much worse if you indulge yourself in these strange fancies. Oh, that they were but fancies. They are, believe me. There is a strange confusion in my brain, and sleep comes over me suddenly when I least expect it. Henry, Henry, what I was, I shall never, never be again. Say not so. All this will pass away like a dream, and leave so faint a trace upon your memory that the time will come when you will wonder it ever made so deep an impression on your mind. You utter these words, Henry, she said, but they do not come from your heart. Ah, no, no, no. Who comes? The door was opened <laughs> by Mrs. Bannerworth, who said, It is only me, my dear. Henry, here is Dr. Chillingworth in the dining room. Henry turned to Flora, saying, You will see him, dear Flora? You know Mr. Chillingworth well. Yes, Henry, yes, I will see him, or whoever you please. Shoo Mr. Chillingworth up, said Henry to the servant. <laughs> Shoo! In a few moments, the medical man was in the room, and he at once approached the bedside to speak to Flora, upon whose pale countenance he looked with evident interest, while at the same time it seemed mingled with a painful feeling, at least so his own face indicated. Well, Miss Bannerworth, he said, what is all this I hear about an ugly dream you have had? A dream? said Flora, as she fixed her beautiful eyes on his face. Yes, as I understand. She shuddered and was silent. Was it not a dream, then? added Mr. Chillingworth. She wrung her hands, and in a voice of extreme anguish and pathos said, Would it were a dream! Would it were a dream! Oh, if anyone could con but convince me it was a dream! I fucked that up, sorry. <laughs> I mean, you did pretty good for a while there. Yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a good run. I had a good run. R.I.P. me. Then I shall rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> sorry, could you give me the last line? Oh, uh, I fucked up the line. Oh, if anyone could but convince me it was a dream. Well, will you tell me what it was? Yes, sir, it was a vampire. <laughs> Mr. Chillingworth glanced at Henry as he said in reply to her Flora's words, I suppose that is, after all, another name Flora for the nightmare. No, no, no. <laughs> Do you really, then? Persist in believing anything so absurd, Ms. Bannerworth. Oh, this bitch getting committed. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She's totally, she's getting locked up. They won't let her out. What can I say to the evidence of my own senses, she replied. I saw it. Henry saw it. George saw. Mr. Marchdale. My mother all saw it. We could not all be at the same time the victim of the same delusion. How faintly you speak. I am very faint and ill. Indeed. What wound is that on your neck? A wild expression came over the face of Flora, a spasmodic action of the muscles, accompanied with a shuddering, as if a sudden chill had come over the whole mass of blood took place, and she said, It is the mark left by the teeth of the vampire. The smile was a forced one upon the face of Mr. Chillingworth. Draw up the blind of the window, Mr. Henry, he said, and let me examine this puncture to which your sister attaches so extraordinary a meaning. The blind was drawn up, and a strong light was thrown into the room. For a full two minutes, Mr. Chillingworth attentively examined the two small wounds in the neck of Flora. He took a powerful magnifying glass from his pocket and looked at them through it, and after his examination was concluded, he said, They are very trifling wounds indeed. But how inflicted, said Henry. Ooh, wow, we got a speech tag. By some insect, I should say, which probably, it being the season for many insects, has flown in at the window. I know the motive, said Flora, which prompts all these suggestions. It is a kind one, and I ought to be the last to quarrel with it. But what I have seen, nothing can make me believe I saw not, unless I am, as once or twice I have thought myself, really mad. I sound mad, God Christ. How do you now feel in general health? Far from well, and a strange drowsiness at times creeps over me. Even now I feel it. She sunk back on the pillows as she spoke and closed her eyes with a deep sigh. Mr. Chillingworth beckoned Henry to come with him from the room, but the latter had promised that he would remain with Flora, and as Mr. Mrs. Banner... Ah, oh, fuck. 
<laughs> Mr. Mrs. Bannerworth. Mrs. Bannerworth. Mr. Chillingworth beckoned Henry to come with him from the room, but the latter had promised that he would remain with Flora, and as Mrs. Bannerworth had left the chamber because she was unable to control her feelings, he rang the bell and requested that his mother would come. Just like a Wow. Woman. Fucking woman. She did so, and then Henry went downstairs along with the medical man, whose opinion he was certainly eager to be now made acquainted with. God. As soon as they were alone in an old-fashioned room, which was called the Oak Closet, they fucked each other. Henry turned to Mr. Chillingsworth and said, Fuck me. What now is your candid opinion, sir? You have seen my sister and those strange, indubitable evidences of something wrong. I have, and to tell you candidly the truth, Mr. Henry, I am sorely perplexed. I thought you would be. Because you're an idiot. Ooh, burn. It is not often that a medical man likes to say so much, nor is it indeed often prudent that he should do so, but in this case I own I am much puzzled. It is contrary to all my notions upon all such subjects. These wounds, what do you think of them? I know not what to think. I am completely puzzled as regards them. But, but do they not really bear the appearance of being bites? They really do. And so far, then, that they are actually in favor of the dreadful supposition in which poor Flora entertains. So far they certainly are. I have no doubt in the world of their being bites, but we must not jump to a conclusion that the teeth which inflicted them were human. It is a strange case, and one which I feel assured must give you all much uneasiness, as indeed it gave me. But as I said before, I will not let my judgment give in to the fearful and degrading superstition which all the circumstances connected with this strange story would seem to justify. It is a degrading superstition. Degrading? To my mind, your sister seems to be laboring under the effect of some narcotic. Indeed. Yes. Unless she really has lost a quantity of blood, which loss has decreased the heart's action sufficiently to produce the languor under which she now evidently labors. I love how they're, like, gaslighting this whole situation. Like, several other people saw a fucking man break into the house and run away and get shot at. And they're like, nah, maybe she just had a dream. Maybe she's just on the drugs. Like, what? fuck all of you. Fuck all of you. What if it was a big man-sized bug that looked like a portrait in the room? <laughs> yeah, totally fine. Oh, that I could believe the former supposition, but I am confident she has taken no narcotic. She could not even do so by mistake, for there is no drug of the sort in the house. Besides, she is not heedless by any means. I am quite convinced she has not done so. Then I am fairly puzzled, my young friend, and I can only say that I would freely have given half of what I am worth to see that figure you saw last night. What would you have done? I would not have lost sight of it for the world's wealth. You would have felt your blood freeze with terror. The face was terrible. Oh, I said terror instead of horror. Oh, no. Uh, Sorry. Paris up. The face was terrible. And yet, let it lead me where it liked, I would have followed it. I wish you had been here. I wish to heaven I had. If I, though, there was the least chance of another visit, I would come and wait with patience every night for a month. I cannot say, replied Henry. I am going to sit up tonight with my sister, and I believe... Our friend Daddy Dale will share my watch with me. <laughs> Mr. Chillingworth appeared to be for a few moments lost in thought, and then suddenly rousing himself, as if he found it either impossible to come to any rational conclusion upon the subject, or had arrived at one which he chose to keep to himself, he said, Well, well, we must leave the matter at present as it stands. Time may accomplish something towards its development, but at present so palpable a mystery I never came across, or a matter in which human calculation was so completely foiled. Nor I, nor I. I will send you some medicines, such as I think will be of service to Flora, and depend upon seeing me by ten o'clock tomorrow morning. You have, of course, heard something, said Henry to the doctor, as he was pulling on his gloves, about vampires. I certainly have, and I understand that in some countries, particularly Norway and Sweden, the superstition is a very common one. And in the Levant. Yes, the ghouls of the Mahometan. What? I was Mahometans. Mahometans, that's the word that just fucked my mouth. Continued. All that I have heard of the European vampire has made it a being which can be killed, but is restored to life again by the rays of a full moon falling on the body. Yes, yes, I have heard as much. And that the hideous repast of blood has to be taken very frequently, and that if the vampire gets it not, he wastes away, presenting the appearance of one in the last stage of a consumption and visibly, so to speak, dying. That is what I have understood. 
Tonight, do you know, Mr. Bannerworth, is the full of the moon. Henry started. If now you had succeeded in killing... What am I saying? I believe I am getting foolish, and that the horrible superstition is beginning to fasten itself upon me, as well as upon all of you. How strangely the fancy will wage war with the judgment in such a way as this. The full of the moon, repeated Henry, as he glanced towards the window. And the night is near at hand. Banish these thoughts from your mind, said the doctor, or else, my young friend, you will make yourself decidedly ill. Good evening to you, for it is evening. Thank you. It is evening. Good evening. <laughs> I shall see you tomorrow morning, which comes after tonight, which is evening. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Chillingworth appeared now to be anxious to go, and Henry no longer opposed his departure. But when he was gone, a sense of great loneliness came over him. Wait, wait a second. Weren't they in a closet this whole time? Yes, the oak closet. Yeah. No, no, no. Henry went to Mr. Chillingworth's house, talked to him there, then went home, and then Mr. Chillingworth came to him at home, and then they talked some more. Oh, I thought they were still up in that closet. No. Ah, uh, bummer. Okay. Sorry. Your fan fiction is going to have to take some liberties. Tonight, he repeated, is the full of the moon. How strange that this dreadful adventure should have taken place just the night before. Tis very strange. Let me see. Let me see. He took from the shelves of a bookcase the work which Flora had mentioned entitled Travels in Norway, in which work he found some account of the popular belief in vampires. He opened the work at random, and then some of the leaves turned over of themselves to a particular place, as the leaves of a book will frequently do when it has been kept open a length of time at that part, (laughs) Uh... and the binding stretched there more than anywhere else. There was a note at the bottom of one of the pages at this part of the book, and Henry read as follows. With regard to these vampires, it is believed by those who are inclined to give credence to so dreadful a superstition <laughs> that they always endeavor to make their feast of blood for the revival of their bodily powers on some evening immediately preceding a full moon, because if any accident befall them, such as being shot or otherwise killed or wounded, they can recover by lying down somewhere where the full moon's rays will fall upon them. Henry let the book drop from his hands with a groan and a shudder. Yay! Um, yeah, so this whole, like, Norwegian vampire thing, Ken, I think you're right, it must be the Draugr, because I can't think of anything else. I have been Googling frantically in the meantime, ah. and I have found that the Draugr part of the Draugr myth is that they drink blood. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, it's just weird that they, were, they weren't referred to them by that. I don't know. Anyway. If they got all these Norwegian books. It's so interesting because it never really occurred to me that the vampire myth came from Scandinavia because we've always so focused on the Central Europe aspect of it. Yeah, I don't think it came. I don't know that it came from. Because, I mean, there's there's obvious, as they pointed out, the Levant. Um, you know, there's there's vampiric tinged myths kind of from a lot of different places. So, you know, one of those like spontaneous. What do they call that? Spontaneous generation. Yeah, because nope. uh, I, I think there's, there's variations of it in like lots of regions, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah, I, I never I guess I never think like. Oh, yeah, Norway, the place where vampires are. Yeah, I don't really make that, you know, the vampire place. Yeah, um, especially since I'm a bit of a Norwegia, Norwegia-file myself. I was going to say, you've been to Norway. Yeah, many Ooh. times. Yeah, many times. And my uh, my boyfriend's family's from there, so. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah ah, fun. neat. Yeah, that's why I was like, I can ask some people tomorrow when I see them. <laughs> <laughs> hey y'all got any vampires in this family they're they all turn no, around tell me about the vampires <laughs> so paris what are you thinking about varney the vampire well well the title is varney the vampire but do we know that his name is varney in the text at this point not yet weird um yeah i'm also confused about that you know when i had my little rant there i'm confused about how a bunch of people are like it's not a it's not a like a human body it's like a bug or you know the wind or drugs or a dream and it's like but a bunch of people witnessed it so that doesn't make sense to me at all like i can understand the doctor being like oh other people saw it and then the second someone's like yeah four of us fucking saw it the doctor should just be like okay cool and it just doesn't make any sense to me um yeah that i do get that because for like 
it would have made way more sense if he was like, well, maybe the guy just came in and pricked her with something. Like, instead yeah. he's just like, there was no guy. You're all fucking, I'm, you're all fucking stupid and crazy. It was just a fucking insanely large mosquito in a coat. Yeah, which makes no sense. Um, and I also, you know, and when they were like, you know, it was just somebody trying to rob the place because we got robin windows. It's like, yeah, you know, we got them burglar windows. Yeah, I don't know. It's just we got them no installed sense. by burglar right so that we could be burgled. Yes, we love the burgling. It's just I don't know. Yeah, it's uh the writing style is very frustrating. It's really challenging. It's extremely challenging. In fact, I'd say it sucks all joy from uh, the actual story. Yeah, and there are points where you like you kind of enjoy it, but then you have to like make it through the fucking labyrinth of words. Is it is it just that is it like uh, immersive? You know, like the the sent the syntax and sentence structure is sucking the joy from the story, just like a vampire sucks the life out of its victim. Oh, the same as the vampire has done to Flora. Yes. We are the vampire. We are the vampire. Ah. Uh... It's uh, it's when you think like Facebook, that's the real vampire. Uh, yes. Got it. Social media. S- cell phone. What if? All right. Picture cell phone. You're inside. Bars over it. It's jail. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Varney. Uh, I would just like to actually have some Varney time. I'd like some Varn. Some time. Time with Varn. And I also <laughs> want to know what the deal is with Daddy Dale. And what his relationship is to anyone else. Because we still fucking don't know. You still, like, he's still been previously introduced as the stranger in their home. And while Henry seems to have taken quite the liking to him. Or rather, Mr. Marchdale has taken quite the, likely to, quite the liking to Henry. Because, well, Mr. Marchdale will refer to Henry by his given name. Henry has not rendered the same to Mr. Marchdale. He is still ah, Mr. Marchdale to oh. Henry. Oh my god. When Henry said it, he said, if you love me, he didn't say the other way around. <gasps> oh my god. Henry, fucking speak your truth. <laughs> oh, man. This is the one story where I think uh, fan fiction should be 100% allowed because you have to have something to focus on. This <laughs> is boring as fuck. Because it's it's like the writing sucks so bad that you just need to like have part of your brain like active writing a different story on the side. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Paris. It was wonderful fun having you. And I dearly hope that Chris can join us for the next one as well, because we do so oh, love boy. our terrible antique book freaks. Oh, I know. Terrible antique book. Now we're just the terrible antique books or the <laughs> terrible antique freaks, but we're not the terrible antique book freaks. Um... Or or we're just the antique book freaks, but then we're not terrible. Yeah, we're, well, we're Chris. We ter- need you. We have to be Chris. Chris we need you. We you need, need to you. make us terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make us terrible or freaks or books again. We're not sure which. Yeah, no. It's. I mean, I love doing these with you. It's always super fun. Yeah, gotta agree. All right. Well, I guess. Uh, I guess I don't know who's reading chapter five, but good luck to them. Maybe it's future Paris. Maybe it's someone else. We will see. Until then, uh, don't get bitten by vampires. Or do if that's your thing. I was going to say, you can't tell me what to do, Paris. You're my friend and I respect (laughs) your opinion, but you cannot control me. Sorry, Ken. I hope you get bitten by a vampire. Thank you. It's all I want. I've been (laughs) so good. The Great Pumpkin needs to give me this this Halloween. Well, you know what? You just got to get your windows uh, burglarized. It's also vampirized so that people, you know, the vampire can get in easily. True. There we go. You got to get your French doors or whatever fucking vampirized. Yeah. Vampirized, burglarized, let it all hang out. I believe in us. (laughs) Oh, also lay outside in the moon or like open your window and your door. Make sure the moonlight is hitting you. Uh, and then I think you're you'll be in like prime prime bite position. And maybe you should like uh like replace a light bulb or something that really like stretches that neck out. I'm just gonna go take a cemetery nap in my frock coat and cravat. <laughs> yeah, or, see or where that. the night well, takes. Well, I don't know. The, dude, the cravat kind of covers up the neck though. Well, like if you have the cravat on, but like undone as if haphazardly. Oh, a cravat, a crumbled cravat. Yeah. Like, as if by mistake you were just so inept at tying your cravat 
that your throat is exposed. Oh no, like a foolish young man in a cemetery in, in, in <laughs> the moon. Cur- currently go- Googling cravat, because I, I don't know. Yeah, it's the difference between being naked and being in an outfit that could fall off and make you naked at any moment. Like one, yeah. one is generally considered more enticing than the other. That's true. All right, so so is a cravat just a scarf tie? That's yes. What it looks like. Okay, sick. <laughs> uh, what? Wait, is it not an ascot? Oh my god, I hate. They are similar. They are similar creatures. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a fucking scarf. All right, cool. It's a scarf. It's a cool <laughs> scarf. Got it. Calling me out on my pretensions. Oh no! I was just like, I don't fucking know what this is. All right. Well, we will see you all on the next chapter of Varney the Vampire. Until then, uh, happy, happy Octoberween, y'all. And may you all feast in blood. Yes. Yes. May we all bathe in blood. Good night. Goodbye.